good day and welcome to What's Happening MoCo, a podcast from your award-winning government television station, County Cable Montgomery. Now, here's your host, Derek Kenny. Good day and welcome to this episode of What's Happening MoCo. In today's episode, we talk to Council President Tom Hucker. Good day, Council President Hucker. How are you today? Good day, Derek. How are you? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there like everybody else. Understood. Understood. Thank you for taking this time out today to speak with us and to share such valuable information with residents. And before we get into the the heart of it, because of course now uh, in the county and I guess throughout the country, the big issue is vaccinations. So before we get there, we'll talk about that and we'll talk about how you've been taking um, proactive action and making sure that residents are aware of what's the status and what the dynamics are in the county. Let's talk about your past. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> your, your political career to, um, how did you become council president? How did you start in Maryland politics and county politics and become a council member serving the uh, constituents of, I believe it's uh, District 5? Was it? I am, yes. yes. I represent District 5. It's a great honor. Um, uh, the county's divided up into currently five districts. So there's, you know, 1.1 million residents of the county. So that means I have about 200,000 direct constituents, but everything we do at the county council really affects all the residents. We all vote on the master plans all across the county and the appointments. We've, you know, um, confirmed the appoint the, the appointment executive branch that cover the whole county, of course, and approve the budget that covers the whole county as well. So I get a lot of emails about stop signs and potholes and trash pickup and things like that in Silver Spring and Tacoma Park all the way through White Oak and East County, which is my district. But I also um, spend most of my time dealing with countywide issues. Yeah. yeah. Now, before you before you served on county council, mm -hmm. uh, what 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 were you uh, doing in terms of politics? Uh, what what led you to actually run for council? Well, that I guess that's a great question. I um, when I graduated from college, um, I had been involved as a student activist um, in a lot of in, uh, public interest issues, particularly environmental and consumer issues. And I started uh, working on an environmental campaign after college, and I was offered a job in, in Washington, D.C. So I moved um, you know, to, to Washington um, and was, participated in some regional campaigns that, uh, with an environmental group that was doing a lot of work in Montgomery County and in the metro you know, Washington region. And um, I got involved after a while in community organizing and um, uh, helped to start a group that um, brought together a lot of both Montgomery County residents and uh, community groups, houses of worship, um, unions, uh, other groups to be more effective advocating for their um, for sort of public interest issues in Annapolis. And for many years, I pushed for expanding healthcare coverage um, and uh, getting the Purple Line built and passing living wage laws so that our contract workers would be paid enough to feed their families. I know it's a crazy concept. Um, long before we were raising the minimum wage to $15, we were trying to do that for our contract workers, for people working directly on you know taxpayer dollars first in Montgomery and Prince George's County and then statewide. Um, and so that gave me a feel for a lot of the issues that were here and, and allowed me to develop relationships with a lot of community leaders. And um, 
part of the thing that my group was involved with was getting some, you know, better people we thought elected uh, that were more representative of grassroots civic organizations around the area. Um, Senator Susan Lee was on our board for a while before she was a senator um, and others uh, that became elected. And when a seat opened up in my area in Silver Spring, a number of people, I honestly, I tried to encourage other people to run for it. <laughs> and I was unsuccessful and unpersuasive, but they encouraged me to run for it. So um, eventually I did. And I served in the Maryland General Assembly for eight years. And after doing that for a while, when the seat became available on the um, Montgomery County Council representing this area, given how much the east side of the county and Silver Spring and Tacoma Park and White Oak in particular um, often uh, hadn't done very well vis-a-vis in the county budget and getting in, in terms of getting enough attention from the county government in Rockville. A number of people asked me to run for the, the county council so that we had an experienced voice and somebody who had had a history of fighting you know, for these issues um, to represent this sort of underserved area of the county. So. I did. I uh, hadn't didn't really think I um, wanted to run for the for to serve on the council at the time. But boy, you know, I I very much enjoy it. It's a great honor, um, and um, you know, I'm constantly both staying in touch with constituents about things that are on the, their mind and in a position to, you know, in a lim in a in a limited way, granted, but uh, to solve problems and make a difference in people's lives. And so that's very fulfilling. Well, in very interesting. And and since you've become a council member, you've been very active. And as a tech person myself. I must say, I, was, I, I admire the way that you reached out in the beginnings of COVID. As COVID happened, the whole country had to pivot and change the way they did things. What are some of the things you did differently to reach out to constituents when COVID hit? I believe there were... Well, boy, <clears throat> that is a great question. We, you know, we, we looked all over the office for the, you know, uh, pandemic and recession combined manual and we couldn't find one. You know, we've been basically flying blind through all this. Uh, we have great staff and constituents with great ideas, but we have been very much sort of creating response, you know, as on the fly as we go, because nobody anticipated what we're dealing with, which is the worst health crisis since the Spanish flu, as I mentioned, and the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, which is, you know, nobody, either one would be very difficult to deal with. And right now we're dealing with both at the same time. And that's been the case since March. So you're right. Montgomery County is well known for having an extremely um, active, vigorous civic culture. Hundreds of people routinely turn out for our um, public hearings on various pieces of legislation before the council. Um, but that be became very quickly not possible under COVID. Um, so we began uh, meeting remotely over Zoom as the council, we had to deal with the technical challenges of streaming those videos um, live so that people could follow exactly what we're, we're doing and they could offer testimony on bills that were before us in public hearings. Um, and so that we could just be fair to everybody and very transparent about what we're doing, which are values that all my colleagues on the council, you know, very, very uh, much, much share. Um, I also, with my, I have great staff, Chief of Staff Dave Kuhns and, and uh, about five others, we put together, um, even before I was council president at this time, um, several different town halls to try to safely communicate to our residents what was happening, you know, in real time. 
And it began with a public health town hall that our uh, top health officers attended to take questions from the public. And uh, several thousand people attended that on the very first night. So that was an indication people were, re were really hungry for information. And after that, we polled people and asked what they wanted to hear about. And uh, they asked, this was, you know, as we went into the tragic murder of George Floyd and the, um, the uh, escalation of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, people wanted to talk to the police chief and the police union and uh, many of our public safety staff to talk to them about their practices and what was good and what needed to be reformed here in Montgomery County. So we had a, a big public safety town hall. We had several other specialized ones, um, uh, one dealing with um, our elementary and high school students with MCPS leadership on, on, on the call. We had another one with uh, Dr. Pollard, the president of Montgomery College, and um, a lot of students from Montgomery College and college aid students talking about the isolation and the challenges of virtual learning and many of the other things that they were dealing with and um, got some great ideas from them about how the county could help to combat those, those challenges. Um, and all in all, we had about 12 town halls and thousands of people attended them. And we've continued to just try to communicate with people through various platforms, as you, you, know, you suggest. Um, I have a few Twitter feeds, you, I think have linked to one, and Facebook pages, and then uh, we send out an, a weekly newsletter to communicate with people. And um, I'm a firm believer all my best ideas you know, started out as somebody else's idea. Um, and both, uh, one of the nice things about the Maryland General Assembly and the County Council, um, unlike Congress, is we're very accessible, it's very easy to get a face-to-face -face meeting with us, and if you have any good ideas, and of course, in Montgomery County, we have, you know, the most educated population in the country. Um, so uh, I, I have thousands of residents that have great ideas all the time, and they make policy suggestions. Many of them work in, you know, in, uh, in our national think tanks and work on Capitol Hill and uh, for federal agencies. So they are full of suggestions, and it's fun for me to bring many of those to the council, just as it was to bring them to the state legislature when I served there, and to try to build support for them among my colleagues. Incredible. And I think that's a good segue. You mentioned town halls and recently there was a town hall on what else? Vaccinations that the council yeah. hosted. Tell us about that town <clears throat> hall and perhaps provide us with a status update of where we are with vaccinations in the uh, county. Well, our, I mean, obviously our, it, our highest priority for 2021 is getting every dose of vaccination, of vaccine into arms of people in Montgomery County as quickly as possible and following the right priority um, prioritization list. Um, unfortunately, we get all our vaccines from the state and the state gets all its vaccines from the federal government and there aren't enough vaccines to go around. So thankfully, we have now a partner in the White House again uh, with Joe Biden, and we're, we're hoping to work closely with the federal government to improve the terrible vaccination rollout that's been happening um, you know, since, since the beginning over the last few months. Um, you've, see, you've seen President Biden recently ordered 200 million doses, and he has set a public expectation of trying to get 100 million doses into um, people's arms in the first hundred days. That's extremely ambitious. Um, they have to they have to develop the doses in order to do that. Obviously, right now the state is getting about seventy thousand doses a week, which isn't nearly enough. And it's been frustrating for us at the county level because we don't feel like we're getting enough. We have not been getting enough. I think they are taking some um, making some efforts recently at the state level to address that. 
there's been a concern. You may have seen some of the data out there that some of the smaller rural counties are getting three to four times the number of, of doses Ooh. per capita than Montgomery County has been getting and Prince George's County and Baltimore City and Baltimore County, the four biggest jurisdictions in the state. So um, I don't think it's a question of our relationship with the governor or anything like that. It's a question of, um, it seems like more per capita um, for unexplained reasons, we're going to small rural counties and obviously we have nothing against them. Those folks need to get vaccinated as well, um, but they should be distributed fairly um, and they should be distributed based on the need and clearly we have a huge number of seniors. We have the largest number of um, cases uh, over the, the, you know, it varies a little bit week to week, but 58,000 cases in Montgomery County is a striking number. Um, and 12, 1,250 deaths, I think, as of yesterday, unfortunately. Um, so, and we have six regional hospitals that serve uh, residents from outside Montgomery County. So we think we should be getting at least our fair share. Um, and we've made that clear to the governor and the Maryland Department of Health we, as you mentioned, ha held a town hall to answer people's questions about this. And um, while I had the whole county council there and the county executive and the health um, and our top health officers, unfortunately, the Maryland Department of Health chose not to send anybody to answer people's que residents' questions. And really, all these decisions, unfortunately, are made at the state level. So it's very hard for us to be sort of stuck in the middle, unable to answer questions from residents about why did the state decide this or why did the state decide that or why don't you have enough doses all those questions are appropriately answered by the secretary of health and he didn't show up so i'm hoping we're going to have a better relationship going forward i am optimistic um, that the county executive for the first time in a while had a um, direct phone conversation with the governor um, just a few days ago and then a face-to-face -face meeting for the first time in months and months yesterday Wow. So, um, and it was quite productive. And I got off a call this morning with the with the um, the county executive about it. So I'm hoping that's going to be uh, become routine and uh, a regular meeting that they have because it's very hard to manage a historic pandemic and a historic recession uh, under any circumstances. It's really hard to do it without strong communication and collaboration with the head of the state government, which really controls all of our our fates um, in this scenario. Wow. Now, that being said, we addressed the, the major issues affecting the county, COVID-19, mm -hmm. vaccinations. People wanted to know about that. You've addressed those things. As council president, what are your priorities, I guess, other than vaccinations and addressing COVID-19 uh, when it relates, of course, of course, the recovery, businesses, uh, community organizations, things of that nature? Right. I mean, that's that's it's hard to think about anything else, honestly, Derek, because um, we, you know, we're working 18, 20 hours a day these days, and it's all on the recovery and the pandemic. Fortunately, we do have professional staff, uh, quite a large one in Montgomery County, given, you know, our, the size of our, our uh, population. And so the council has, in I think every case, set unanimous goals. Um, they're quite ambitious to address our climate crisis, to address our housing crisis, which is a regional problem. Um, and obviously the climate crisis is, you know, a global problem. Um, going back, you know, a year or two, um, as well as ambi ambitious racial equity goals um, that um, really govern how we um, move our policy agendas forward. So fortunately, our professional staff are hard at work on meeting the goals of those agendas that the council has adopted 
while the rest of us are dealing with what comes across the threshold every day, questions about vaccination, questions about um, uh, testing, questions about, um, you know, uh, restaurant and school reopening, all those all those type of questions that are very much on people's minds. So the county executive has several bills um, regarding uh, the uh, climate emergency that he'll be sending over very soon. About two thirds of our carbon emissions come from our buildings. And so the first two bills really look at tracking how much energy is used by our commercial and residential buildings, our multifamily buildings, like the big apartment buildings, um, and uh, not just tracking them, but then uh, setting higher standards for using energy efficiency materials and making other retrofits so that they lower their um, their energy use and therefore their energy bills. Um, and if we can get building owners to make those kind of investments that will pay themselves back over time in the form of lower energy bills, that not only is good for their bottom line, it not only produces a more comfortable climate for their tenants, um, but it's good for the environment, good for the climate as well. There's no way to deal with the climate crisis without driving down the carbon use that comes from our, our buildings, both commercial and multifamily residential. Um, we also are getting our first electric buses on the street. They're already up and running. We're expanding our transit network. Um, we started uh, several months ago, the first bus rapid transit corridor in the country, um, I'm sorry, in, in the state, uh, which stretches is entirely in my district, I'm excited about from Burtonsville in East County at the corner of, of Prince George's and Howard County with Montgomery, all the way down to the Silver Spring Transit Station along the Route 20 corridor. And it serves some of the most heavily transit dependent residents in Montgomery County. Up there, 35, 38% of residents don't have a car, but they still need to get to work. So, and many of them in, during this COVID pandemic are essential workers. They're um, heavily black and brown workers that are working in our grocery stores, that are working in our hospitals, that are working in nursing homes. They need to get to work whether or not they have a car. So we're long overdue to give them first class transportation since they don't have a Metro up there. And I'm really proud to be part of the team that got them a flash bus. It's called starting in July and already even during a pandemic, it's become the third, the route on our whole countywide system with the third highest ridership. So that only shows it's going to build over time. It's only a few months old and it's already very, very successful, which is unusual for a bus route. Um, so we have better buses. We have electric buses that have started up. We are monitoring and, and shrinking the carbon footprints of our buildings. Um, and we're doing a lot of other work in our in the land use area to concentrate development around transit so that people don't have so far to drive to work um, and that will get cars off the road as well. All that combined is part of our strategy to address the climate. We also have this huge housing crisis. Regionally, um, our housing is some of the most expensive in the entire nation. I serve uh, with Council Member Navarro on the, on the Greater Washington Council of Governments, which has um, uh, 300 uh, local governments and, and all the major ones, Montgomery County, Fairfax County, Prince George's, DC, Frederick, et cetera, and all the municipalities, all on a board, all making decisions about the region. We hired the best consultant we could find. We uh, had them assess the housing market. They decided we have a huge housing emergency. We ag agreed with their report, the conclusions, and not just at the COG board, but then at the Montgomery County Council, we've adopted ambitious housing goals of building about 10,000 new units every year for 10 years. 
because we're lucky. We have a good economy around here and it's very stable because of the federal government and a, and a vigorous private sector. Um, and a lot of people want to move here and they're emptying out from other areas of the country. But unfortunately, the cost of um, a house, a starter house for new families, the cost of a one bedroom apartment far exceed the cost in other areas of the country. And that's not really fair. And it makes people um, who want to buy a house, it prices them out of the market. Um, and it makes it stretches out the housing market because it makes people buy farther and farther from the core in DC and Silver Spring and 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 uh, Bethesda where the jobs are. So none of us want all those people in front of us on the Beltway either. So we've been trying with our land use policy and our housing policy to concentrate our development um, very much around transit stations. So people who don't have a car and even those who do have a choice about how to get to work, they can ride transit and that's better for all of us in terms of congestion, it's better for the, the climate as well. Whoa, that's a lot, and um, and it shows your Sorry. priority. No, it's okay. Actually, priorities, and I think it's good for people to understand that while you're dealing with an unheard of, unprecedented crisis in the county, you're also still managing the day to day. You're also working mm -hmm. and operating towards the future for not only current residents but future residents. Um, and I think it's good for us to be aware of that, and good for you to share now. If there are residents or others that want to find out what's going on with you or want to contact you, you mentioned it earlier uh, that people can reach you through your Twitter account. Right. And the Twitter handle is at CMHucker. That's twitter.com forward slash CM as in Mary Hucker, H U C K E R. For those that are listening to, to the podcast, you can reach him there, probably via direct message or even a mention will get his attention, as he mentioned earlier, that he has a very active staff that will surely respond to you and also visit the council website, of course, uh, montgomerycountymd.gov forward slash council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, hopefully I spelled that correctly, <laughs> spelling be time. And I thank you so much for, um, yes, sir. Oh, and can I just add, Derek? Of course. No, thank you for, for pointing all that out. My, my personal Twitter is also just at Tom Hucker. Okay. Um, and it's got all the same content, plus a few pictures of my kids you might have to put up with once in a while. So um, feel free to follow me at that as well. It had, there's more followers there. Um, feel free to call my office. I know not everybody's on Twitter or Facebook. Um, so my office is 240-777-7960. All the council staff are working remotely right now, but often the phone line is, is forwarded to their cell phones. And in any case, please leave a voicemail and one of my staff will get back to you. Please feel free on the weekends or evenings, any emergency, call my cell phone, 240-481-4825. I have it with me all the time. Just ask my wife, unfortunately. And um, you know, I'll get back to people about anything that's urgent um, if, they, um, if they have any, any emergent issues. Emails are also great because almost any problem I need to solve, I have to involve my staff and the county executive branch's staff um, so I can bring in the permitting services or housing department or something like that, depending on the issue. And so feel free to email um, as well, which what, is just- What is your email address? Tom.Hucker at MontgomeryCountyMD.gov. Tom.Hucker at MontgomeryCountyMD.gov. All right, thank you so much. And I think we've successfully delivered on providing value to residents today and um, sharing your vision and um, also what you've been doing and, and great information on vaccinations. And I'm sure there's more to come and look forward to uh, Tom Hucker's Twitter account, his personal and his professional 
council member site as well as give him a phone call. I do not encourage everyone to call a cell phone. <laughs> as, as he mentioned, he's, he's working 18 to 20 hours a day, so we hope that he's able to get some sleep now and again. We thank you for your time today, Tom Hucker, for visiting us, and we welcome you back anytime you have something that you'd like to share with the residents. And of course, we thank you out there for listening to the podcast or watching the podcast on Facebook or uh, YouTube. And as always, we ask you to ask the question, what's happening, MoCo? Because you deserve the answers. And of course, last but not least, we heard from some residents that mentioned that they would like to hear something about businesses that are flourishing um, and pivoting during COVID-19, as well as organizations that are helping seniors at this time. We've heard you and we will produce content that reflects what you've asked. And be sure to support us as best you can by subscribing to this podcast, visiting and liking our Facebook page, What's Happening MoCo Podcast, and joining us on Twitter at County Cable MoCo. Have a good one, MoCo. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.